You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 174 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. Last year in 2017, in November, I was officially invited to podcast the Altered Conference in Berlin. It's a way to alter your perceptions about things and look in a different direction and find new ways of behaving or find new ways of changing your behavior or find new ways of looking at a situation. That's what Alter is about for me, is just finding a way to consciously change. So if that's with psychedelics, if that's with bodywork, if that's with magic, if that's with sex, tarot, whatever, whatever it is, those are things that we want to explore. Alter music has a music consciousness explores. So however it is that you explore consciousness, we want to we want to be part of that. So our main website is alteredconference.com, and if you look up us, look us up on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, where we have representation there as well. This episode is the fourth part in this little series from the Altered Conference. And in this one, I will be talking to Zach Leary. Zach is the host of both the It's All Happening with Zach Leary podcast and the Maps podcast. And uh, these podcasts have helped Zach to cement him into one of the most thought-provoking podcasters in the cultural philosophy genre of podcasting. And Zach also is a blogger, a writer, a futurist, a spiritualist, a technology consultant and a socio-cultural theorist. He's also a psychonaut, and for all you kids out there, Zach is also the son of Timothy Leary. So thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So uh, talk a bit about your uh, uh, speech uh, yesterday. What was the gist of it? Uh, I entitled it Redefining Value for the 21st Century. And it was actually an idea that was born from a few different experiences that I've had in the last few years. Um, One way I was giving a lot of talks at festivals, um, like lightning in a bottle, lucidity, kind of American sort of burning man offshoot festivals. And I was trying to combat the idea of the psychedelic, um, you know, the psychedelic community sort of has this predisposition to constantly seek peak experience. You know, we're chasing peak experience. And I'm part of the psychedelic community, so this is a judgment on myself too. But we're constantly seeking peak experience 
and our integration model, you know, we need to rethink that. And so I was kind of just thinking about that for a while. And then I'm friends with Douglas Rushkoff, if you know, if you know who he is. He's an, an American media theorist and culturist. And, and he started kind of planting the seeds of um, the problem with the GDP, which is the gross domestic product, and using this as a tool for measurement, as we still use this as a tool for measurement for how we measure a country's health. And that is a very antiquated way of looking at a country's health because it's based off of the model of the, the, of the Industrial Revolution's um, need to create an economy that was based off of growth. And in order to participate in that economy, you became a worker. And most likely, you were a worker who was void of any really creative thought you just were, you played a small role in a very large uh, machine. You went in to do your job from nine to five, you got paid a, a, a living wage, and then you went home and just dealt with your family. And that was the extent of your participation with the value of the country. And in order to keep the value to sustain it, you're also encouraged to take your earnings and spend money, right? So, fusing the two ideas together you know with the, the psychedelic community sort of like we're, here we are like we're looking for peak experience and we have these peak experiences to where we see uh, where we're able to pierce the veil and to see how the universe works to see how our role within the cosmos really is right but yet still so many of us are still rooted in this you know we turn on we go outside we, we, we experience, have all these wonderful experiences, but we're still rooted in this very um, draconian, antiquated way of having to live our lives. And that's nobody's fault. It's just the way it is. So somehow there could be a fusion of the two to where, you know, I'm not suggesting and I'm not even smart enough or qualified enough to say to have to come up with an alternative to capitalism. I'm not suggesting that. But I am suggesting that we can find way to take little pockets of capitalism and turn it on its head and kind of make it fold inside of itself to give value in different ways of life. Yeah. And with this uh, ayahuasca experiences, people mm -hmm. having now more and more in yeah. Peru, isn't that also like reserved for middle class? Cause, I mean, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. It's not cheap, and it, it's it's the great problem of um, <laughs> I think of modern Western spirituality, um, and it goes beyond just I mean ayahuasca journeys down in Peru, but uh, I mean it, even in, in the spiritual world, it, like it costs a lot of money to go see Ramdas in, in Hawaii. It costs a lot of money. Um, uh, I don't know if you know who Tony Robbins is. It costs a lot of money to see Tony Robbins. That's a huge problem, you know. In ancient India, not even ancient India, you know, within the 20th, 20th century, if you wanted to go see any of these amazing beings, it was free. You just go, you know, you sit with them, and that was it. So, yeah, we have this. That's another great kind of schism in the matrix that I think we, we, we have to address um, is sort of uh, conscious elitism. <laughs> Because isn't it like the kids in the ghetto who need ayahuasca the most, probably? Exactly. Exactly. And that is, um, I have heard of some things, um, somebody, 
I forget who it was, but somebody was on my podcast talking about um, some medicine circles going on in Oakland, aiming, you know, looking for, you know, lower income inner city youth, giving it to them for free, holding their circles for free. And that's that's exactly right on. Maybe it's a long game also because if uh, the well-educated are going deep into the psychedelic world, maybe them or their children will be the leaders and the people in charge. So maybe it can be changed that way anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. It is a long game. I didn't think of it that way, but it's true. <laughs> so what do you do normally except speaking at conferences? <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I try to do this. I, I have two podcasts, um, and uh, I write. I'm working on a book, and I do technology consulting. So what is your uh, go-to psychedelic when you want to journey inwards? What is my goal? Well, my goal today is very different than it was uh, 25 years ago, you know, when I first started. Um, you know, I've done it so many times now that my goal is not most of the time I don't want to always say this because it's it would kind of be bullshit but most of the time my journey my goal is not experiential like I got the experience I got it you know what I mean and it's fun it's great but my goal is usually to look at something specific that I need to work on someplace where I'm stuck that's a good reply, but I asked uh, which which psychedelic. Oh, which psychedelic? But that was would be the oh. follow-up question, so <laughs> you answered, we take it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> which psychedelic? Oh, I like which psychedelic am I drawn to? Uh, God, I mean, pretty much mushrooms lately. Um, sometimes some DMT. Um, DMT is a great, you know, short-term... T- burst into into the world into the cosmos but usually uh psilocybin yeah do you think because you you live in america and it's uh, cannabis is becoming more and more legal do you think that will spill over to psychedelics yes i do are there any signs well i mean there are little little signs i mean i mean they're not even so little i mean the work that maps is doing you know with the the phase three trials with mdma and and seeing it, you know, you know, within four years, three or four years, it's going to become a, you know, a prescription legal method for treating PTSD and certain symptoms. So yes, there are there are little little signs appearing, um, and you know the thing with cannabis, which is really, and somebody I live in California, and I come from a very um, drug friendly family you know that it's a surprise like i'm i'm surprised you know most of us even who are in it are like wow that happened really quickly you know so i have tremendous optimism for um for the legality of of lsd and psilocybin absolutely i was recently in santa monica and i saw this black guy come running to his friends in the park and and he was crying like i'm so sick i'm so sick and then he pulled out a bag saying thank you doctor (laughs) what was in the bag it was weed Weed. (laughs) i live in santa monica 
So it was like, you know, uh, it's prescription and medicine, uh, but people like uh, buy it for recreational use anyway. <laughs> yes, yeah, they, they do. Well, and that's why that, you know, starting in January, it's good. It's full recreational now. And that's such a good thing because the medical, um, uh, I mean, you know, if we really want to be honest about what happened with the medical marijuana thing in, in California, you know, it, it, it didn't turn out how it was supposed to be, you know, like if you go, well, you were in Santa Monica, you know, if you go to the Venice boardwalk and you have these men dressed in green suits selling you a $40 medical card because you say you have a headache, that's not a good thing. You know, that's not the way it was supposed to be. It made every, any, it made a joke out of the legitimacy of the medical need for, for cannabis. So I'm glad we fixed that because that was, I was always, the more time went on, the more uncomfortable I felt. It's like, you know, we're manipulating the system and that just makes us look bad. Yeah. Uh, do you think there will be a risk that they'll start patenting uh, the psychedelics and cannabis if it's legal can you patent psilocybin I don't know I mean there's so many strains yeah I, have, I used to live in Amsterdam and there was something I heard there that they tried to make uh, the psychedelic they made the psychedelic mushroom illegal uh, but then they came out with psychedelic truffles and they tried to make them illegal but they couldn't because they would have to make tomatoes illegal or something <laughs> like that. Exactly. Yeah. And I think uh, it just, I mean, as you know, with the great, uh, you know, irony of making cannabis illegal, the great cosmic joke is you, know, you can't make a plant that grows indigenously, you know, on six of the seven continents illegal it doesn't that, that's that's insane it's not possible so i think you know and finally we we address that so i i hope that stays true with psilocybin i would think so <laughs> i mean how many strains of mushrooms are there there's something there's over a hundred of, of of magic mushroom strains mm. yeah and i don't think they're all the, the the molecule they're all identical i think they have little variations What's this uh, book you mentioned you writing? What is it about? It's called Who, Who Are You Now? Uh, the Fusion of uh, the Human Mutation Through Technology uh, Fused with Our um, our Spiritual Heart. So how we kind of um, expand and embark on our spiritual condition, but through the lens of technology. So it's... Um, it's it's nonfiction and it's a way of kind of looking back at our history, sort of since the seventeenth um, century, since the American Revolution, how we use technology and spirituality as the two main venues for defining who we are. Whether that's like the repulsion, like the moving away from the church, or going deeper into, um, uh, you know, uh, shamanic traditions, which is a form of spirituality. But also how all of these things are really have started to manifest in the cybernetic dimension as well. Because cyberspace, it is a fifth dimension. You know, it is a place where we are living. And the human condition, 
you know, we, we have this, this bad habit of thinking that our evolution is finished. And there's no way our evolution of the human species is finished. And I believe it's going, it's, it's a fusion with silicon. It's going to be a fusion into cybernetic properties. And that's where mankind is going through nanotechnology and, and, and um, you know, silicon enhancements and artificial intelligence and augmented reality. So the book is a way of looking at ways to merge the spiritual heart with the te technological mutation. I've had similar ideas for many years, and every time I mention it in the psychedelic community, they are always very abhorred and uh, yeah. talk about evil. And uh, uh, I, I don't know if they don't. I don't think they've seen what I've seen in my mind. <laughs> I agree. I, I'm with you, man. I'm and, and McKenna too. You know, I mean, uh, um, what the archaic revival? I mean, it's what uh, aliens, mushrooms, and VR. You know, I mean, he saw it right away. You know, there, there, there's no, I mean, and, and he died a long time ago. You know, this was written in the 90s. He immediately saw that virtual reality was going to be a fusion of the psychedelic of the God, of the God particle. Yeah. Be you know, because like the old uh, Homo erectus, if you to told them about Homo sapiens, they would probably think they were evil as well. That's right. Uh, and also, if you want to explore the universe, it's easier with a, a non-biological body, I imagine. Absolutely. And, I, and I, I run into the same problem as you do all the time, especially in the psychedelic community, yes, but especially in the yoga community. Like this idea of like embracing the cyborg. It's like, oh my God, uh, you go back to nature. Zach, you should go walk around in the grass or something. And I was saying, fine, I walk around in the grass plenty. Like, I like nature. But let's not ignore what's happening. And we're, it's just from a place of fear. Like, we've always, that's how human beings are, right? We come from a place of fear. We burn witches at the stake because they threaten our sensibilities. But it's happening. It's what's going to happen. So, you know, you're going to get on the bus or you're not. Maybe it's more environmental if we were like cyborgs because we wouldn't need to use so much resources. Well, yeah, and, but also, I mean, define, like, I challenge anyone to define the concept of nature. Like, why do we always default to the idea of get back to nature, man, which means turning off all the devices and going into the mountains. Why does that have to be the only idea of what nature is? Like, as far as I can tell, like, this is an oversimplification, but an apple grows from a tree, right? An iPhone grows from a human. It's the same thing. It's just a product of our imagination. So I don't really see it as one thing or the other. I just think that we we have to find the balance so we don't, you know, destroy ourselves in the process. <laughs> and don't you think when VR becomes more and more acceptable, uh, I think it will end up soon that, you know, people stay in VR for long periods of time and eventually uh, maybe constantly. So 
maybe it's not that we merge with cyborgs that more that we just upload ourselves what do you think well have you seen these uh these studies that are coming back with paraplegics in vr like yeah there's really um i mean there's actual data out there you know paraplegics paralyzed from the waist down and they spend enough time in vr uh revisualizing their legs work and it it makes physical changes i mean it's happening like new nerve cells are growing as a result of spending time in, in vr it's that powerful and um uh, it could also be that one day in the future somebody you know when we all live in vr that somebody invents vr in the vr and that's where <laughs> we are now you know <laughs> that, that, that that's that's possible yes do you think you could upload yourself I don't know. I don't know. Depends. Uh, uh, it gets tricky because then we we get into the idea of like whether or not we can map consciousness. Can we map consciousness? I don't know. I think more VR is uh, it's augmented consciousness. I think thinking of the idea that we can map consciousness as a like as a program. I don't know. Have, do you know anything about the augmented reality? Like how far has that gone? Because I've mostly yeah. looked into the VR. Yeah, I mean, AR is really... I mean, I think that's that's really where we're going. That's that's the future. Um, you know, VR, as great as VR is, um, there, there, there's, gonna, there's a finite... Like, it's not growing as fast as everyone thought it was going to like two years ago because the headsets are still very cumbersome. Um, VR is still very much in the realm of the nerd, you know, of the male, young male nerd who's into gear, who's into PCs, who's into, you know, um, so it's tricky. Um, but AR, you know, like the, the, the Apple augmented reality SDK that is out there. Um, I mean, you know, the first little tiny hint of it is in the new the iPhone X, the iPhone 10, you know, there's little AR hints in there. And, you know, both you and I wear glasses, so we're already, you know, but having heads-up displays right here in front of our glasses, I mean, that that's going to happen pretty quickly. And it will change the, the whole of society in the sense that when we have information about when we're looking around, uh, you, I can't think of what it would be, but there would be low i mean like it would be more difficult to lie or maybe you would see your net worth or your <laughs> criminal records and it would change the whole structure if you could see those things that's right i kind of that's like an episode of black mirror <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know man I, I i don't know you know i mean full transparency is 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 a tricky thing it's a slippery slope but on the other hand, you know, with the, the, the crazy thing about cyberspace is that um, what it's this, my book talks about this a lot too, it's that we have this ability to change our, our identity structures within cyberspace. And the way that people behave on Facebook is very different than the way people behave outside of Facebook. I mean, that's the perfect example. You know, we have very different identities, you know, with our social media profiles than we do outside of it. Not all of us, but a lot of people do, you know. And of the, what, 2.2 billion profiles on, that are on Facebook, how many are fake? A third, they're saying, maybe. 
No. So, I mean, that means that there's hundreds of millions of people out there inhabiting different identities online for whatever reason, you know. That's weird. <laughs> there's also one struggle I have, and there's a, it's a moral uh, problem that I can't seem to get my head around. And, you know, like the uh, very realistic sex dolls have okay. appeared, yeah, and uh, they've actually uh, read somewhere they're making... Uh, children versions and uh, my first one, oh well that's not good and then the other hand well it's it's, it's a machine so but it's still a, it's a moral confusion in my brain yeah Japan yeah I mean Japan has a very you know they have they're facing a an existential crisis in Japan I mean the average age is something like 46 years old and the birth rate is plummeting they're not having enough sex to reproduce um, there's something like 2,000 sex dolls sold a year in Japan. And, yeah, I mean, it's hard for me because everything that I just said to come from a place of judgment because I do believe in the power of mutation and what's happening. But that's also very... It just, from man, it just... it, it, it I get to a place thinking about that where I can't even think about it. It's just like, holy shit, like wow, what's going to happen? Are we going to see an entire culture just disappear because they'd, they'd rather have dinner with their, with their plastic sex doll? Maybe. It might be difficult this going from, the, uh, from this reality to the cyborg version or whatever you want to call it, but, but if, or the full transparency, but the people who are born in that society it would be easy for them. It's just yeah. for us from right. the old world. That's right. That's right. I mean, that that's, I mean, you just isolated the whole problem. If you're born into it and it's normal, then what, what's the difference? It's, it's us who's struggling. <laughs> yeah. So if people want to check out your work and uh, where can they go? You go to zachleary.com. Um, both my podcasts are on, you know, all the podcast places, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else it's all happening. It's, one podcast and the maps podcast is the other yeah cool thank you yeah thank you so to repeat uh, Zach's website is sackleary.com check it out and check out his podcasts it's all happening with Zach Leary and the maps podcast you can also go to alteredconference.com to check out the conference that I attended and maybe you want to go to the next one Zach and I talked briefly about how people are afraid of technological advancement or evolution. And so with that in mind, I want to play a short rant by Duncan Trussell. I played it before, long ago, but it is worthy of another run, I think. But the idea that technology is slowly destroying our souls. Give me a fucking break, man. This is an ongoing theme in the evolution of human beings on this planet and as we become more adept not only at using tools but at designing uh, increasingly powerful tools there are always members of our species who sadly gaze upon whatever the newest or uh, highest uh, representation of technology 
in is in the in the material form with a kind of sad like the sad indian the single tear rolling down their cheek as they look upon the earth and then point in the direction of virtual reality goggles or point in the direction of a hardcore gaming pc with liquid cooling fluid that is running through tubes that make it look like blood they point in the direction of those things and then they point to the earth and they say the earth is better the fragrance of this sweet mother earth. How long has it been since you brought soil to your nose and inhaled that earthly perfume? Go outside. Will you not go outside and place your hands into that sweet, soft soil? How long has it been since you appreciated a flower with you staring into that virtual reality, frying your brain with the computer screen too close to your eyeballs. You don't even know what that can be doing to you. You gotta go outside and watch a butterfly's lazy ascent as it rises up on some invisible updraft, its sweet and precious wings being inundated by blast upon blast of angel-containing photons raining down upon it from that star we call the sun. (laughs) Anytime you put those VR goggles on your eyes, a baby rabbit dies, a baby rabbit dies. Junk heaps in China, Filled with computer parts Have you no heart Have you no heart DM me I'll teach you The secrets of nature My Twitter handle is At ParkRanger 16 The point is Enjoying technology and enjoying nature Or the organic external world Do not have to be mutually exclusive activities And I've found that Virtual reality is actually enhancing and amplifying my appreciation of just how beautiful and complex and infinitely enjoyable the external organic world really is. Check out Mr. Duncan Trussell at duncantrussell.com. One of my favorite bands growing up was Nirvana. Tracks like uh, Come As You Are really helped me in my teenage years. I mean, I was, you know, brainwashed and got stuck in this, like, what you have to wear to be accepted, you know, expensive designer clothes. I I had that face when I was, like, 12, 13. But then, you know, Come As You Are, you know, like, yeah, fuck you, I come as I I am. And uh, my uh, suicidal tendencies, which I had, and which probably most teenagers have at some point, uh, they all went went away when Kurt Cobain killed himself. It, it was like he died in my place. That's how it felt for me. And, uh, you know, all this was over 20, 25 years ago or something like that. But uh, why am I talking about this? Well, it is because I want to play a piano version of the Nirvana song Come As You Are by Asendish Gokshin. It's uh, hard to pronounce, but uh, I did my best. The the song uh, Come As You Are, her version, is from the album Nirvana Project. Go to 
aisedenishkokchin.com for more of her music. And it's A-Y-S-E-D-E-N-I-Z-G-O-K-C-I-N. You know what? I'll post that link in the program notes on Nashabon Alchemist. So you don't have to try and spell that. And all the relevant links will be posted in the program notes, actually, on naturalbornalchemist.com. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. And if you want to support the podcast properly, then go to patreon.com forward slash naturalbornalchemist. Join me and others at the round table of the divine mystery. On a final note, I always ponder and wonder about the fabric of reality about the divine mystery, about the afterlife. But to quote the Indian guru Neem Karoli Baba, it's better to see God in everything than to try to figure it out. Freedom is in the mind. (laughs) 